Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today uh, I am joined by Johnny, uh, who um, has, well, just fresh from the Chelsea game. So in uh, <laughs> probably a little bit stressed and more so stressed than everybody else. Uh, but it's a brand new show that we're going to bring you guys uh, on Sunday evenings. And uh, it's, it's a slightly strange one for myself because uh, we've branded this FBL Winners, right? This is supposed to be a show we're going to bring you every Sunday evening uh, insight from someone who's actually won FPL <laughs> uh, and looking at the people who've won the game week, FPL assets that are winners today and on Saturday. But unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, our resident winner, which of course is Ali, FPL Top Guns, he's not actually available for this one. So I've had to step into his shoes at uh, short notice, um, but it will normally be him. And tonight it's just myself and Johnny. Um, but with that rather convoluted introduction, I shall hand over to Johnny. How are you doing? Uh, it's been good to have FPL back. cliche i know but roller coaster weekend hasn't it from the early team news some got it some didn't easy to see those that did get it with those that have saliba and those that have gabriel in their team i have gabriel not happy <laughs> um, um but then just the the beauty of the, the premier league being back some really good matches some really good goals some swings some offsides we've just seen salah and chilwell goals disallowed this afternoon rightly so but marginal um so that i i I'm really excited about this stream on Sunday nights. Like Ali, as you mentioned, is a an FPL winner. <laughs> Unfortunately, you and I can't claim that title. <laughs> um, and it'll be great to get his thoughts. He's very much an eye test manager. So doing this stream together on a Sunday off the back of some of his eye test scouting, I think it's really cool. Because as the week goes on, we all start to look at the data and go big into stats. We Even eye test managers will do that, Ali included. But straight off the back of watching the games, often it's just what you've seen, your initial reaction. So we're going to be using some data from the scout members area in these streams, but a lot of that will be visual stuff. So average position maps or a lot of maps. <laughs> Ali and I both like maps. So we're going to go with that, knowing that most of the stuff you'll see on Scoutcast or burning questions or moving throughout the week will be a lot of charts and a lot of numbers. Um, so we'll be talking about all the, the games of interest from an FPL perspective over the weekend. So today we'll be touching on seven of the 10 games in detail and spend a good five, 10 minutes on each of them. So yeah, I'm pretty excited, mate. And it's good to be doing the first couple of shows with you as well. 
yeah it's gonna be good fun yeah appreciate uh, appreciate that um it's nice to it's, i used to do these sunday streams myself and i did it just by myself and it's it's quite difficult doing it just by yourself and um yeah having a few extra managers to come in and uh, give some insight especially if one of them is is an fpl winner as well and um well before we get uh, too further on it's been i think it's been quite a long week for for ali so uh, let's uh, to in tribute to him let's let's smash that like button let's get it ramped right up i can see 205 people watching only 13 oh, nice. of you have liked so far so let's 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 throw some support for the reigning fpl champion into that like button uh, before we before we get started so as you mentioned Johnny, we're going to be looking at a number of games that we've had uh, this weekend we also got a lot of people in the chat who've uh, had a relatively busy weekend as well. And so uh, in that vein, let's start by just having a quick look at how your team's got on so far, because this might help yeah. p- put people at ease if they're feeling a bit frustrated about their team. One uh, individual in particular who's caused you some grief this weekend is, of course, Gabrielle. There's loads of people out there with that problem. So uh, it's yeah. an opportunity for you to help them feel at ease with their their stress of that player. Yeah, and it is a, it is a, a problem because I know Arsenal weren't, the best at the weekend but it just shows that the likes of Ben White and the likes of Timber are really kind of highly thought of by Arteta their passing games are strong and maybe he wants more ball players in what will at times be a back three and party being an inverted right back at times and you just think Saliba now is clearly the number one centre back and Gabriel sure they might resort to type and we see them both again and I don't want to be too hasty with this transfer out but if we see players rising in price and players dropping in price, our hand might be forced. So look, we've been warned. Let's see what happens game week two. Maybe it's Ben White right back, Gabriel centre back, and it's all okay. I think we perhaps give him another week, but yeah, it ain't great. Um, And it's a little swing. Fortunately for those that kept Gabriel, Arsenal did still concede. Um, so I did, I, you know, look, Saliba got an assist, sure, but it could have been a lot worse because at one point he was on for three bonus, a clean sheet and the assist. It was going to be a comfortable double-digit score. That swing would have been painful game week one. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but but look, the rest of the weekend, all good. Like, I'm happy with my team here. I've got an Iron and Rashford to play, 69 points. I don't like to look at overall rank at this point in the season, but I have noticed uh, from my live FPL rank, it's just within within the, the top million. Um, the, those that went against Haaland captain, I'm glad that Saka delivered for you because I think that was a really nice and bold call, but a, a brave and sensible call. And then fair play to those that went with trusted penalty takers and Bomo and Jao Pedro. I didn't do that. I went Matoma and I went Watkins, but I, I completely understand the argument to go, pick the guy that's on pens and Jao Pedro and Bomo have proved that in game week one already. I don't necessarily prioritise the penalty appeal as high as I should, knowing they'll probably only get three or four, maybe maximum of five penalties a season, but they have fallen in game week one. And there's a big argument to say they should be right at the top of your wish list when you're looking at priorities and, and penalty takers have to be right up there. Of course they do. I probably don't rank them high enough. Although, don't do yourself down too much because you do have Watkins, who, of course, is the Aston Villa penalty taker. Yeah. So, you know, if that game had gone differently, perhaps, you know, and he did have a couple of chances as one that he just uh, yeah. flicked wide. So, um, yeah, you, you've got one You've got one penalty taker in there at the very least. So, or, well, two of you include Haaland, but we've all got a memory. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a solid start. We've all got, yeah. It's yeah. a solid start, isn't it? 69, I mean, I think someone once said if you can get 60 points every game week, um, you're going to have a really solid finish. Um, you're over that already. Um, and so, you know, you you got you could argue you've ticked that box for the first week and move on to the next one. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly that. The one thing I wanted in my teammate, I actually didn't want Gabriel an Arsenal defender. And at six o'clock on Friday, I had John Stones in my team and then I had Guardiola <laughs> in my team. And then I, I saw the leaks. So I have benefited from some leaks this game week. I saw they weren't playing. So I wasn't willing to go stick a Rico Lewis or an Ake or an Akanji or a Walker in because I just worry about them long term. So I went and gave in to the, the, the boring pick, which was the safe Arsenal defender everyone has. <laughs> And look what happened. So in a way, I wish I'd stuck with John Stones or Guardiola because at least we think they'll start game week two. But it's fine. Um, maybe I'll move back towards that City defender. And I have been saying all pre-season, why do we not own a City defender, the best defence in the league? And I think they showed that against Burnley. But we also know from last year, the City defenders don't score big points because they all play around 20 games a season. <laughs> um, so maybe that changes this time around. But I guess we should have a look at some of the games because... Um, we're recording this just off the back of the Chelsea-Liverpool game, which I thought was an amazing advert for the Premier League and a really strong second half, especially for Chelsea. And there's good FPL interest in both these teams. So I think the graphic we might be showing is the average position map, because I wanted to point out the Chelsea fullbacks, David. Like, even in a back four, we expected them to get forward. But if Poch does continue with a five for a while at least, and if James and Chilwell stay fit, then look at the average position map here. Right? We're looking at Chelsea on the left. We can see the numbers like Reese is 24, Chilwell is 21. Chilwell is Chelsea's second most advanced player overall. I absolutely love that. Yeah, he played he played very well and it was very heavily involved. I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest. I mean, so I, I own Chilwell as well and um, actually only owned him from about quarter past six. Uh, on Friday night because I had John Stones. We heard that he was out, so he was my switch. I just needed someone quick, and I'm I'm feeling very lucky. I was on a stream with Sonaldo at the time. It was just like, just get chill well. I did. And I was I was thinking in the space of two minutes to get a goal and an assist. I mean, wow. I mean, it's like owning Ben Davis or yeah. Kieran Trippier back in the Pochettino Spurs days of old. It was that yeah. wing-back system that really uh, helped, helped out, which was surprising in a way because we've seen Chelsea use the back four a lot in the preseason, is my understanding. Yeah, uh, haven't played the back five at all preseason. Yeah. And we got, and it was, I was listening to the game on Five Live actually, and they saw the team sheet and thought, oh, that's a back five or back three, however you want to say it. And then Pochettino kind of implied that it was a back four in his pre-match comments, and then it was suggestion that Rhys James could play in midfield, which he has done that before. He did it for Wigan Athletic back in the days. Ask anyone who got to watch him, him yeah. play at DW Stadium. It was like messy when he was playing in League One, obviously. But then, of course, it was a back five. So I, I suppose people might be wondering, do we think that back five is perhaps tailored to this game because it's Liverpool? Do we think that's going to persist? You know, we've actually got the best person to ask this question in the studio, of course. You being a Chelsea fan, you might have more yeah. insight on this than most managers. That's probably the biggest question is just how much more we're going to see this or we're going to go back to a back four for game week two. I think it was twofold. It was Liverpool being the opponents. It was probably on Poch's mind anyway, thinking he'll play those attacking four players with Hakpo included in the midfield. But then I also think the Nkunku injury has changed his, his thinking. I'm not sure if he's ready to start. I think, I think he's got a few trust issues with some of the attackers at Chelsea. I don't know if he's ready for the likes of Mudrick to be in his starting eleven. And if it was a 4-2-3-1 today, Mudrick's in that eleven. Effectively, it's Mudrick or a centre-back, right? So I think he looked at it and thought, I'm going for players that I can trust in this game. A five suits my fullbacks and arguably my two best attackers outside of out and out striker number nine, Jackson, are probably Chilwell and James. So let's make the most of them and give them and give them that license. And in the back four, Chilwell's going to be this high every time anyway. But in but Reese won't be. It'll be when one goes, the other one can't. 
Um, but obviously in the five, they both can. So having played well today, and I think they were very good second half, I think if these guys are fit, Chilwell and Reese, he'll continue with the back five against West Ham. And then it's Luton game week three, and that'll be the real test. So if they go and play well against West Ham with the back five or three, you'd think the plan against Luton would have always been a four, <laughs> but maybe he just sticks with it because he goes, I'm getting my best 11 onto the pitch. And Nkunku being out means I've not got that attacking midfielder that I actually want to pin my hopes on outside of Sterling. And look, Chukawema played really well, um, but he's not quite ready to go Matson or Mudrick in there. And I think that Nkunku injury has spoiled things for him. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of the, the, that injury, perhaps, you know, um, forcing a bit of a change. I'm glad you mentioned the Luton game, actually, because I think people would probably be interested in that game anyway. Uh, but in mm. terms of that transition of one week to the next and working out what to do, I mean, we're going to talk about the Brighton game in a second. But Estupinian, I mean, wow, what a game he had against Luton. Yeah. So they may seriously struggle to deal with, you know, a, a, a wing back, full back, you know, whatever you want to call him, who is in effect a wide forward, who's a creator and a goal threat and things like that. We've already shown Luton they can't contain someone like that. And so, you know, you could be could be looking at Chilwell having a big, big, big game week in, in game week three. I suppose the only slight downside is there's probably slightly more people owning him right now than perhaps if Stones hadn't, you know, emerged as a, as a game week one absentee. Because I think that's, I mean, that was the switch I made. I, I didn't own Chilwell all summer until quarter past six. And now he's in my team, got seven points. And I feel rather fraudulently like one of the gang. <laughs> and there's probably quite <laughs> a lot of us in that boat. Yeah, it's filled with with Chilwell. I saw he was on a lot of benches, sub one as well. So painful for those that had Gabriel come on in the 86th minute. Um, but my take when you buy an attacking fullback like Chilwell, and you could argue the same even watching a Stupinam play, these guys should never be on your bench because there's so much upside to their game. And a Stupinam's an interesting case. We'll talk about the Brighton game in a minute, but I planned that maybe after the first few weeks, he'll become my first sub because the fixtures turn. But watching him, I'm like, I can't bench this guy, just like I couldn't bench Chilwell. But I guess let's move on to... I love the fact we've got the XG at the top here, by the way. So Chelsea-Liverpool was 1.28 XG for both teams, which is interesting. Um, but let's move on to the, the Spurs game, because that was the other half of Super Sunday. And again, like we won't always show average position maps. Sometimes it'll be shot maps or pass maps. Um, but the Spurs game was really interesting too. And I thought, obviously, Madison is the big headline out of that. Richardson blanking and Madison getting, was it a nine or a 10-pointer? He did get booked to move from three to two bonus, I think, in the end, Madison. Yeah. But he looks like he's going to be such an exciting pick. And I think we put the uh, the shot map on here. And right, yeah. typical Brentford. I remember last year always saying, you don't get many chances with Brentford. The chances they get are big chances. And that's indicated by the size of the circle. And we can see Brentford had a few big chances and their XG 2.02 compared to Spurs' 1.3, 1.26. And Mbomo obviously missed a big, one of those two big chances there. But yeah, I was impressed with Spurs despite seeing the XG sort of half what Brentford's are. They created a ton of opportunities, mainly through Madison. Yeah, Madison is definitely going to be the one I'm going to look to, I think. Um, I think both Son and Richarlison's roles in the team probably are slightly different uh, to what maybe they would have been in previous seasons. Like, for example, Richarlison, he can play number nine, but he hasn't played number nine really in this team yet. Uh, and there's a lot more responsibility on Son's shoulders, I think, whereas Madison can sort of like come into the team, not under the radar, but there's a lot less focus on him. He could just get on with his job and was very much uh, a focal point today. And it seems to really relish and be really relishing the responsibility as well, because I think um, he's one of the vice captains and then was 
had the captain's armband when Son went off and was very yeah. in conversation with the referee all game and seems to be someone who's really going to puff his chest out and be a leader in this team. And I think that that's really going to benefit yeah. him. He's the sort of player that really needs that um, responsibility. I think it helps um, just give him that extra 10%. I think it's going to make a big difference. He got that fixture swing in game week three. Uh, I'm already sort of working out ways I can get to him with, with my midfield, for example. So yeah, no, I'm quite, I'm quite excited about what, what he's going to deliver. I think for me, my focus in this game was actually more on, on Brentford. I went in Burmo. Um, mm. I, I was on him all summer and then I wavered a little bit when uh, we started to think, oh, maybe it's going to be Visser. Uh, but then just reminding myself he's on penalties and he scored yeah. a few goals in preseason. And of course it was the penalty that um, he got today and there was possible shout of another one so he could have come away with two goals in this one and of course the other thing which in the end clinched it for me was there was this idea that he doesn't play up front Hmm. right but he does when they play the big teams and who have they got game with one they've got Spurs so he played up front and he very much was a secondary forward so in the in the in the easier games on the fixture ticker you'd want him anyway because you're going to get some penalties and then in the more challenging games on paper he's actually in a better position to score goals. And of course, you know, he didn't score from open play today, but he could have done. The penalty is what did it. But um, yeah, I think Mbomo is, I'm quite happy with, with having him. I think there may be people that may look to switch to him. And actually him doing yeah. well is annoying in the conversation. How do I get Madison? <laughs> I've got too many guys yeah. doing well in that mid-price mid bracket. Yeah. He, um, the average position map on Mbomo was a country mile ahead of every other player, including Visser on that pitch. Mm. It was like looking at a Mo Salah average position map. Like just because he's at times out wide doesn't mean he's not the most advanced. But yeah, an interesting one. I was happy to swerve him, to avoid him because I was so big on Matoma. But watching him today, I can completely see the appeal. Um, I think I still just do prefer Matoma with, even without the penalties. But that's more of my trust in Brighton to score a ton of goals. Um, Madison's an interesting one. And in the chat, like loads of us just see nuclear act. Adam say, I'm surely going to get Madison over Richarlison game week three. It'll be really interesting come game week three if Richarlison outscores Madison in game week two against United. And then there's the real dilemma because obviously they're both going to be starters. They're both around the same price at the moment, Richarlison 0.5 cheaper. But I still think if I was buying one today, despite seeing how good Madison was, I still think I want the number nine. I still think I want the out of position number nine. And I know it wasn't Richarlison's day today. But the manager's going to continue to give him minutes unless he's rep- they buy number nine in the next few days. I can't see it. So it'll be an interesting one to see what happens. I'm biding my time, give myself another week's worth of data and eye testing um, against Man United to see what direction I go in. But still, I think there's an argument to say perhaps we'll be looking at both because this Postacoglu team is going to attack for fun. Guys, only 61 of you have hit the like button. Come along. <laughs> Over 600 of you are watching, which is awesome. We'll continue to keep this fast paced and move on to the next game. So we'll go through some of those Saturday games, shall we, David? I don't know who we're going to, you, you yeah, fancy got, starting us off with. We, we've got Arsenal up next, which is a good place to start, I think, with the, the Gabriel situation. But, mm. you know, because there been lots of talk before the game. I'm actually just going to share your um, your experience, to be honest. I wasn't big on the Arsenal defence either. Um, mm. I spent all of pre-season not owning an Arsenal defender. Uh, and then Same. in the end, uh, I just kind of had a gap in my team. And I was like, OK, let, why not? You know, I, I feel like I've made taken enough risks in this team. I've got Diaby instead of Watkins. I've got Pedro instead of Matoma. Which, by the way, that paid off, which is very happy with. Yeah. But um, let's be a bit more template in a few places. I don't really rate the Arsenal defence, but everybody else does. So go <laughs> on then. And and I was never really that convinced. And I even went on the deadline stream with Sonaldo and uh, kind of voiced this. 
and was still kind of just talked back into it by everybody. So no one's really made a mistake. You know, yeah. just kind of, yeah, go on then. But I still was just like, I can see Forrest scoring in this game because actually Arsenal, the way that they defended towards the end of last season, it, they were never troubling the top sections of XGC, clean sheets, big chances conceded. Like They were conceding goals and they just were not a reliable defence. And fine, maybe they were tired at the end of last season. But I always find how a team finishes a campaign is always yeah. a much better tester than how they started the previous one. And to be fair, they dominated this game, but they still conceded. And, and I'll throw it to you now because we've got it up on the screen, that XG stat at the top. Nottingham Forest had yeah. a higher XG score in this game than Arsenal, which obviously has some implications for attacking assets as well. But yeah, so that's kind of like the way I've come into the game, into this season as well. And it, I yeah. feel sort of, sort of somewhat sardonically satisfied with the fact that actually it could have been more convincing from Arsenal. I'm the same. I'm the same. And I, I looked at Forrest and thought, okay, yeah, they, they were impressive for the run in last year. And they, they did hit the ground running. And I think it was last season at the Emirates, they kind of threw the towel in. But this time round, they, they, they're 2-0 down. There was still some fight there. And we can see, this is the shot map. And you can see Forrest on the right-hand side, like a couple of shots within four or five yards, fairly central, like massive chances. And and that the high XG chances, one of which they converted, good goal from Amunee compared to the Arsenal chances who, yeah, I mean, Arsenal at home against what on paper is a easy opposition for the Premier League to not accrue a one XG is pretty rare for them. Like usually they blow smaller teams away at the Emirates. So other than that, Saka Weldy, you know, without that, they're, they're in real trouble. So, and even, even the Inketio goal comes from a piece of magic from Martinelli. So it's two it's the individual brilliance of two players that really stood out there, but effectively as a team to produce a lot of chances to score a lot of goals and to win games we didn't necessarily see that with Arsenal and I was pretty bullish on the Arsenal attack pre-season and I still am and I like their fixtures still um but at the moment that they're, they're not playing to the level we we've become so used to as of last year yeah. and Forest were pretty useful but yeah. yeah I was pleased to see Forest score in that that clean sheet wipeout and at the <laughs> moment I don't think I'll go into the next Arsenal game thinking a clean sheet's a banker because yeah. they did look vulnerable at times. Well, I mean, so that, that's the thing is it was actually some of the fixtures that in the end put me in a position where I wasn't that confident. And obviously, of course, I have still fraudulently gone with Gabriel anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it's Palace up next who, let's be honest, under Roy Hodgson have, have had a lot of fight, quite literally, if you've seen the clip yeah. of him going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Max Lowe. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I can see Palace scoring there. So, and, you know, Gabriel obviously has, has goal threat, etc. Um, interestingly enough, I was bullish to some extent on Arsenal attack, but in the end, I only went with one for some of the reasons I've kind of already dis dis like mentioned about their defence. I felt the same was kind of true of their attack in the in the favour of going with Salah, and I actually feel quite happy now, uh, having yeah. gone Salah rather than a second Arsenal attacker, because Salah's goal being disallowed against Chelsea means that he's slightly less on the radar for game week two, so I think a lot of people will just go, you know what, I'll go without him. I'm going to captain him, for example. So Arsenal's attack yeah. kind of underperforming so far is, is really useful, I think, for anyone that's gone Salah uh, because you already perhaps feel like you're ahead on the deal, even though he's only got the assist, um, for example. But yeah, I mean, that's sort of like where I'm at with that. There's a lot of people in the chat, though, asking what they should do with Gabriel. So we should probably just have a mm. quick focus discussion, I, I guess, on the strategy around owning that player and what's happened with him this weekend. What do we do? Uh, with that player and I suppose actually the Arsenal defence not being able to keep a clean sheet against Forest perhaps trickles into this because I'm already looking at ways to get rid of Gabriel and I'm not really that interested in replacing him with Saliba for example so I wonder where you Normie. were on that yeah 
normally if I'm replacing Gabriel, it's outside of Arsenal. Sure, you could just go to Saliba, but I, th- I think there's a good opportunity to buy a 5 million mid or, or defender, sorry, or a 5.5 million defender if you might have a little bit of money in the bank. Um, if you don't own a Chelsea fullback named Ben Chilwell, <laughs> after today, I think there's a, such a good argument to move to Chilwell game week two. You might have planned to move to Chilwell game week three anyway. This is your opportunity just to go in, go a week early. Um, if Reese James had stayed fit today, and we don't quite know um, I'm going to jump in because I have, I've been searching. Got an update. Been, I've been, yeah, just been refreshing Reese James' Twitter, which, by the way, is largely filled with people posting pictures of how handsome he is. I can't disagree there. <laughs> um, but we've had an update that Reese from Pochettino himself, Reese James was tired, not injured. So we well, we did jog off the pitch. So that's that's yeah. good. I, I and I hope that would be the case. Yeah. So any because I've also I have spotted you guys, the Reese James fans in the chat asking about how he is. Sounds like he's okay. And so bringing Gabriel him off to Reese James makes feels sense. like a sensible move, doesn't it? Like yeah. if you've even if you've got Chilwell, I'd be tempted. Now, sure, if Chelsea go back to a back four, he's not going to be getting forward as much as we saw today. But he's still, I think, going to be on penalties, and he's on some of the set pieces. Although Enzo was on a lot of them today, worth noting. Um, but he's still going to be a great asset. So I would look to that Chelsea defense. I thought at times they looked fairly comfortable against one of the league's top two, top three attacks, Liverpool. They'll keep clean sheets under Poch, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Liverpool at times in that game looked capable of scoring a couple of goals. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, early on, especially. Yeah, and so you're absolutely right. For them to, I mean, you just think how powerful that Liverpool attack's been in pre-season as well. A lot of people have flocked quite near the end yeah. towards Salah. Um, so yeah, I think Chelsea should be very proud of that performance today, defensively, I should say. Um, it's a good platform for you to, to move on uh, to, to bigger and better things this season, I think. And, of course, from an FPL perspective, that's probably going to come uh, to fruition for the defenders. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's we move on to we talk, we promised to talk about Brighton, so yes. we, let's let's talk about them because they predictably uh, bossed this game. Um, but so Luton, perhaps a little naive to borrow from Alan Shearer on match of the day. Um, but I mean, so you went Matoma, I've gone Pedro. Uh, anyone who went March got something. Most of us have a stupid hand, so. Thankfully, it kind of sounds like everybody got what they wanted. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, they they scored four goals and accrued an XG of four. Like that's, I'm guessing that's the highest of the game week in terms of XG. And one thing we all knew, we all knew preseason, and from what we saw last year, this Brighton team in the first few fixtures are going to score goals because it was on the fixtures are good on paper, and we know how attacking Deserby teams are. And all preseason, I've been saying I'm not comfortable with the fact I've only got one Brighton attacker. <laughs> How can I get Jao Pedro and Matoma in, for example? When I didn't, I backed out and I went Watkins over Jao Pedro. But if I could make that swap for free now, I, I would. And that's I think Watkins is a fine own. But I just think the argument to go double Brighton attack early on is is granted. And, and I, th- I think, as we saw, like Jao Pedro could have easily had a double digit haul yesterday uh, he missed such a big chance and he missed a couple of smaller chances too Estupanan could have had a 20 pointer <laughs> that guy was amazing was in everywhere. terms of his, his creation even when Ferguson hit the the post from a really low xg shot from the edge of the box that again he was put in by Estupanan um 
I just thought, yeah, straight away when I was watching that, I was thinking, I am not happy with the plan of benching a Stupinan in difficult fixtures. If yeah. they're at home, especially, even if it's a difficult fixture, you want him in your 11. So I was so impressed with him. He looks so good. I mean, so uh, I've actually seen in a couple of places, a number of people who don't own a Stupinan, sort of a little bit annoyed, like, oh, why did he get bonus in a game where he got booked <laughs> and, kept, and didn't keep a clean sheet? Well, the answer is that just the sheer volume of the chance creation was nuts. I mean, if you watched any of the yeah. game, you'll have perhaps seen it. If you watch Match of the Day, I mean, pretty much every high like clip started with uh, in or involved him creating a chance for example and then when we look at some of the numbers as well uh, six key passes in game week one for him only I think it's Eze created more um, two of them were big chances uh, that he he fashioned and so his expected goal involvement for the game week was 0.96 uh, which I think is the highest of any defender uh, yes it is his highest of any defender so far a lot of that was from expected assists so, I mean, he, he, the thing is, he I've, I've kind of felt like he was a bit of a must-own for the start of the season. I think that game demonstrated it. I suppose the only the only thing that would make me less bullish on him, perhaps, is maybe it is Luton, and they, they did look very not ready for the Premier League in this game in terms of, like, being streetwise. I mean, I think the game, Luton's performance perhaps very sadly summed up by that unfortunate incident with uh, um, Panzu. Um, you know, it sort of felt like he had the time to make the clearance and it just got whacked in the goal. Um, yeah. And that kind of typified their performance and maybe, you know, that's their, their easiest game so far this season. But the fixtures they've got in the next couple of weeks are still nice, aren't they, with Brian? Yeah. You know, we've got um, Wolves away next to have perhaps in, you know, uh, more disarray than Luton off the pitch. Well, perhaps that's, that's a definite. So um, next game week, probably going to be okay. But you, we talked about benching him in difficult fixtures. Um, they don't have one <laughs> for a while. So yeah. he's kind of just set and forget, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, super advanced as well. Like we saw on the previous screen, he was number 30, like high wide left, probably the third most advanced Brighton player on the pitch. So like he's he's staying in our teams. And if you've got Matoma, you're happy. If you've got João Pedro, you're happy. If you've got March, you're happy. What was really interesting in terms of rotation, because we're worried about our Brighton attackers with minutes. Um, even when they're playing well, they'll come off. March came off, João Pedro came off. It was good as a Matoma, Matoma owner. From the front four, three were subbed. Matoma got the 90. And again, I always look for that. Who does the manager at all costs one on the pitch? Who's his main man? And we said it pre-season, we thought this would be the case from all of those positions up front. Matoma will be the most nailed for 90 minutes. Welbeck again was wasteful in front of goal, but is getting the chances and Deserby loves him. But if Ferguson does become the starter... He'll be a really interesting prospect because we saw his finishing is so, so good. And he was unlucky. He hit the post from an amazing shot that I mentioned earlier. Um, and obviously he got his goal. So all eyes still on Brighton. Uh, they're exactly what we expected them to be. Mm. And they're just everyone's second favourite team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, it's um, it's nice that the people are having issues elsewhere because it just means we can all look to our Brighton assets as like, yep, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, when you go into game week two, I mean... I'm going to roll my transfer, even though I've got Gabriel. I'm personally happy Same. with my bench. You yeah. know, if you're happy with your bench as well, you know, maybe you're fine. Um, the Brighton assets just help us roll into the next game week. Uh, I can't really think of too many talked about Brighton assets who coming out of this game we would have any concerns about. You know, sometimes you pick one guy and then the other guy's the one that delivers and then we we get the comment section flooded with, should I spend my transfer on switch, you know, trading in this guy for this Brighton guy, for example. We thankfully don't have that dynamic. So it's it's very much as you were, you know, that's, that's like the Seagulls flying to game week two without too many concerns. 
Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I guess another team flying should lead us into Man City because yep. it was a Friday night game. We, we've forgotten a little bit about, I guess, that performance. Uh, Haaland, it took him, what, five minutes into the Premier League season to to kick off with a return? I, I think um, it was three and a half. But, was it really? I, but, but the expression still stands, about five minutes. That's all it took. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, I wanted to look at the average position maps because... I was a Foden owner and really keen to see where he was going to play. And obviously there was no Jack Grealish. So I think at times he was on the left. Um, and we can see like the the average position map City, like Alvarez and Foden and Haaland and Bernardo Silva, all within such a small amount of space. Um, but as always with Man City, they're all interchanging positions. Um, it was good to see Foden get minutes. The Super Cup's going to be interesting. And again, as a Foden owner, I'm conscious that every week I'm going to be Willie, won't he? But my take was I'll have him for the first few game weeks, see what I get, and then look to maybe sell to a Richarlison or a Madison. Um, but just the best the best defence in the league. And I think if Guardiola becomes the nailed asset we hope he's going to be, a bit like how Diaz was when he first joined, and even Laporte was when he first joined. Pep has got, and actually a Kanji last season. When Pep buys a new centre back, he often gives them a really good run in the starting eleven. Um, and Guardiola is five million, so I've definitely got my eyes on him because I want City defensive cover because they just don't look like conceding. I, I, th- I think I'll probably end up making a move in that direction. And there might be Gabriel owners out there that look to move to a City defender. I think we just need to see a run of games for Guardiola or Diaz or whoever before we commit. Yeah, for sure. And I th- to, to be fair, I think we've actually been thrown a bit of a bone with the fixtures. I do think our Arsenal fixtures aren't as strong as Man City's are for defensive returns across the first six, seven. But we do have the flying ointment of game week two is against Newcastle, who demonstrated against Villa that, wow, even against... Villa was one of the informed defences at the end of last season. And of course, yeah. it did lose Mings in the game, uh, which perhaps... Um, damage them a little bit perhaps more so in the sense of like disruption within the game I don't necessarily think Tyron Mings is the best centre-back at Villa I think he's probably their third best centre-back now uh, but mm. the point is to lose and have to rejig and perhaps throw Torres in sooner uh, than expected may have contributed to that but the point is Newcastle's attack looked incredible so um people I don't think are going to want to buy a City defender for game week two and that's fine because that gives you that extra week to see what happens with Guardiola perhaps maybe compare which defenders start game weeks one and two which we think you know perhaps maybe a kanji might be that uh, for example and of course he's five million as well so it gives you that opportunity there it gives us time for stones to come back in because he missed out through injury those who perhaps maybe didn't know that um it was it was largely injury related and he doesn't seem too concerned so he could be back we've got that little bit of time to make a decision and as i kind of already said if you're happy with your bench uh, with the, to bring it all it all comes back to gabriel unfortunately um hmm. if you're happy with your bench then game week three when city face sheffield united then they've got fulham then they've got west ham they've got nottingham forest you know, you can feel a little bit more comfortable making that switch, provided the price changes don't mess you about, which I suppose is perhaps the only thing that we're going to have to start paying attention for. But I do just okay. think that those City fixtures are just perfectly poised for a bit of introspection and then full investment game week three, Sheffield United, Fulham, West Ham, Forest. Those are clean sheet games for City. Yeah, I think they are. Last season, the United had the most clean sheets. They were 18 to Man City's 13. But I remember looking this in the scout members area pre-season to look at the shots conceded. Um, and some, I think City conceded 90 shots on target last season. The next best was Newcastle at like 130. They just don't concede 
chances not big ones not usually and the reason the clean sheets weren't that high last year for City was they'd won the league they were winning three four nil in games and Edison owners will remember this very well they kept conceding sloppy late last minute goals because they just they took their foot off the gas a bit because the league was won early on in the season their concentration will be so much higher Pep won't allow them to ease off at all and I think we'll see as you mentioned some of those fixtures being banker clean Mm. Uh, clean sheets you mentioned Villa and, and Newcastle as I feel like we should we should go sure. to that match next because I'm, I'm already looking at it going which Newcastle player am I going to buy and when am I going to buy them because I'm probably not going to invest just yet but I would love a 90 minute number nine there I don't care if it's Wilson or Isak I just want a 90 minute man and I feel like we're going to keep seeing 60 and 30 no matter who starts yeah, I mean, although that doesn't, I don't think that necessarily has to be a problem. People who've talk, heard me talk about Wilson will be like, oh, he's a broken record on this. It's almost like Wilson is the new Solskjaer. And it's almost like yeah. he doesn't really care because he seems still pretty happy at the end of games because he's scoring goals in front of a massive crowd. Um, yeah. His stats are still amazing. I haven't had a chance, to be honest, to, to look from yesterday. But when we, um, you know, looked at how he was doing last season. Okay, I found him now. Right, so... Yesterday, oh, okay, wow, okay, this this sums up Callum Wilson, and it's hmm. a continuing trend from last season. He was in the top three for shots on target, expected goals, uh, all sorts of incredible attacking stats for the final 12 game weeks of last season, despite mostly being a substitute and playing like 400 fewer minutes than like everyone around him. So far, yeah. the guy who is top of the entire Premier League for shots on target after game week one, Callum Wilson, <laughs> with four <laughs> shots on target, two That's big chances, three inside the box, 28 minutes. <laughs> That's it. That's all it takes. And so there was a time when actually he was better as a substitute than he was when he was starting perhaps alongside Isak because they can't really work very well together. And so I think this is perhaps the one area where he completely bucks the trend. As Wilson has done for like seven or eight years, he always was the guy that either wasn't scoring when he was having lots of shots, was scoring loads of goals when he was having one shot per game. Now he's getting all these incredible stats and still scoring with hardly any minutes on the pitch. He just always is an enigma. He's the one guy who actually I wouldn't mind owning knowing he's not going to start um just based on how he played yesterday those stats look like read like someone who played 90 minutes so in effect he is a 90 minute man because he just gets so much work he gets 90 minutes worth of work done in 28 <laughs> do you see what i mean so you could yeah. still go and there. he'll get some starts because of champions league as well if let's say isak is the the first choice and i think in the champions league especially isak will be the first choice because of his kind of he's played in europe and he's got that kind of that the first couple of yards where he's electric um then it, it looks at Premier League games and, and you'll think at times it will be Wilson getting the 60 and Isak getting the 30. And again, like looking, this is the goal attempt map and Newcastle, look at all those goal attempts in the box from sort of and so many from within the 12 yards. And I think that attack is going to be one we want to invest in. I was impressed with Tonali pulling some strings. Him and Bruno Gamares, what a midfield partnership that could be. And Joel Linton as good as always. But then out wide as well. Like if I'm not going to own the nine, I don't think I'll go towards Almiron. I think last season was just an exceptional out of nowhere season for him. I don't think he's going to be a regular goals and assists man. But we know from Leicester, Harvey Barnes is. And sure, he didn't start yesterday and and um, Anthony Gordon played really well. But I think long term, that'll be Harvey Barnes' shirt on the left. And if it is, and again, if he's a now starter, we know he's a good FPL asset because he's greedy. And he's oh, a he good is, price. Yeah. I think he's 6.5 million. He shoots yeah. on site. And if he's in a team that score loads of goals and create loads of chances, unlike Leicester last year, um, I think Barnes could be a really fun owns. He's 
definitely on my watch list. Yeah, he looks he looks really exciting. I think the only thing that um, I think is really interesting here is I think that the only um, set of fans in the entire twenty teams of the Premier League who um, do, who do rate. Anthony Gordon are Newcastle fans and I'm not saying I don't yeah. rate him but it's like we all I think a lot of people have slept on him and the whole way through I've heard Newcastle fans that I know really excited to have him really excited with what they've seen so I think Barnes may have to do more than people perhaps initially thought to displace Gordon which worries yeah. me a little bit I think I think the issue we're going to have with Newcastle is that um, and, and it was been mentioned on television on the radio is that Every single substitution that Howe can make is basically like for like, and so it means, and, and the team is just as a squad so well drilled that he can make those changes and they they don't um, lose cohesion. They still look fantastic, and then that sometimes is, is a bit stressful for us as managers because we can't accurately predict who the team is because Eddie Howe can just go actually, do you know what? For this game, it can be you because you do exactly the same job as the other guy, for example. You know, and so and and the team is is working very nicely. I think obviously the mitigating factors here in terms of because they're on my radar, but in terms of like actionable points, am I going to go near them just yet? Perhaps not. Uh, mitigating factor number one: Villa played a stupidly high line in this game, and oh, I don't quite understand why because it's not necessary. It wasn't necessarily a feature of their play at the end of last season. The injury didn't help, but playing a high line against this very rapid. Uh, Newcastle attack was perhaps uh, a mistake so maybe people will not do that again people will watch this game be like we ain't playing a high line now so that that may come into things the other thing of course is is the fixtures as well which I will stick on the screen they're still not great of course it's Man City up next uh, then Liverpool at home Brighton away you know three actually really difficult fixtures there it's about game week five or six I have I'm, I've got on the screen right now is the season ticket for game weeks one to six in the scout members area um if, if you go and have a look and perhaps maybe sort it from about game week four to about 10, I think it is. Newcastle are top of the season ticker for attacking mm. fixtures for quite some spread of time. Uh, it's either game week five or six that, that, that they, they swing into that position. So it's around that time that I think I'd want to see. And of course, that will be when European footballs come in. We've perhaps get more of an idea of who's going to start. You know, has Barnes displaced Gordon? Has Gordon held off the competition? But it doesn't matter because he's still doing well. You know, there's still a few questions. Uh, but we've got, I think we've got time to... Um, to just sit back, wait for things to develop, get get through some difficult fixtures. Because let's be honest, the way they played yesterday, they could they could score a couple of goals against uh, City. They could be, even beat Liverpool. You know, they well, I can yeah. see them going to Brighton and getting a result that will start ringing alarm bells for fantasy managers around game week five six when the fixtures turn nice. So I think that's probably that's where I'm looking for Newcastle. I don't know, perhaps if you're in the same position. I'm exactly with you. And I think you mentioned earlier, you don't think we'll see Isak and Wilson together. And I think, again, yesterday shows us that Howe wants them to be the two number nines. He could have gone Isak wide left, which is what we saw a lot last season, um, to try and get them both in. I don't think that works. And Isak played so well as the number nine when he was on. I was really impressed with his his intelligence, his finishing. Um, and maybe we'll see... Barnes one side, Gordon the other, because again, like Newcastle fans have told us, Gordon's been really good. Gordon was also incredible in the Euros. In the under-21s, I, was, I, was, I watched the last few games. I was really impressed. And some of the, the brilliant young England players that Gordon was keeping out the 11. And I think Gordon maybe even won player of the tournament, or if he didn't, he maybe got man of the match in the final. Um, but he had Cole Palmer on the right and Gordon on the left. And Gordon does like playing on the left. And Ashley Barnes really only plays on the left. I wonder if we'll see Gordon trialled on the right-hand side to try and accommodate the three of them um, 
or both of them and then a number nine. So yeah, really good, really must keep our eyes on Newcastle. And obviously we know from last year, one of the best defences in the league as well. So, you know, it's good to see those that went Botman early were rewarded for an assist, <laughs> although I expect he was on most people's bench. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess we should, what were the other games we were going to look at? Crystal Palace, mention, I think it was. Because uh, yeah, individual Eze. performance, Eze, I think XGI was somewhere just shy of one, like 0.9 or he was right up there. So unlucky not to, uh, not to, to clock a return, but he did blank. Yeah. Um, but he was everything about that Palace team. And, and he's going to be this year, isn't he? Yeah, he looks so good. I mean, I think he he previously was the talisman at QPR, I think it was. And so when uh, Zaha was was not really involved towards the back end of last season, there was a lot of us that it was a bit of an Eze movement um, that, that developed around the idea that he had the you know personality to be able to shoulder that. And 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 we're seeing that continue to be honest. Um, yeah, it was 0.92 was his was his XGI looked wow. very very good. Um, one thing that actually pleased me about this game was actually also Palace's defence as well. Um, I went with Anderson. Uh, some people went with Johnston. They kept the clean sheet, which was perhaps uh, predictable because yeah. it is is Sheffield United. But um, there was a couple of um, you know squeaky bum time moments in the game where you know Sheffield United perhaps unlucky, but for the most part they looked very good. Um, you know I could be a bit more bitter talking about this because Gabrielle is why I didn't get a nine pointer off the bench for Anderson. <laughs> yeah, because Anderson got the assist, didn't he? But also he could have well, scored. No, so, uh, no uh, it was Ayu, I think he got the assist, but Anderson got the assist for the disallowed goal. Oh, that was um, it. And, and he, he could have scored a goal himself. He, right. he had a shot from about 30 yards that I think was well saved or just went yeah. over. He's but basically he did get Beckenbauer. bonus too. He's Beckenbauer yeah. reincarnate, basically. <laughs> um, having watched the game again, like, wow, like he's just so good at stepping out of defence and he collected the bonus from past completion tackles but he just does everything he's incredible yeah. and uh, Tyrick Mitchell also did really well I think Tyrick Mitchell I think got an assist for like a disallowed goal or, or something yes so, he did the Edward disallowed goal that's right yeah. so um, I, I do think that I mean Eze there's a lot of focus on him but I think anybody I mean again let's just bring this back to Gabriel if you're looking for a replacement for Gabriel and the price changes mess you about well maybe Palace is the place to go because we talked about them in the preseason. season the way they finished the campaign defensively was very sound uh, their fixtures at the start of the campaign they rotate quite nicely perhaps maybe not game week two or game week three just looking at the fixtures because that's Arsenal and Brentford I've actually got Palace in a defensive rotation with a couple of other teams game week four it's Wolves game week six is Fulham for example so um, there are going to be key times where you're going to want to use a, um, a Crystal Palace defender and their fixtures get a lot kinder on a more extensive basis after that point as well so um, yeah don't forget don't sleep on, on Palace defence because I think it, I think it looks quite good um, but yeah I mean Eze is it, let's, let's go back to him is he on your radar for investment at some point there's so many good 6.5 million mids. I, I can't remember anything like it. Like we've already spoken about like Diaby obviously did really well um, on his debut. We spoke earlier about Mbomo and Matoma. There's so many good options in that bracket. And there's more that we've not mentioned. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Eze will always be that guy because he was for me last year. He was always that second or third player I'd be likely to transfer in that game week. And I always went with whoever I was, was number one yeah. tra- player I was going to transfer in that game week. never get into the number one slot, could he? It was always like, yeah. I like him, I want to own him, he's definitely going to do something, but I need to do this one first. And it's it's really annoying because we sit here and we talk about how good he is and then we can't yeah. back that up by owning him. It almost takes the shine off being proved right that he's done well. Does that make sense? Like, And he's going to be on pens and he's on all the set pieces and corners and he pretty much, look at him here, like that's him and Edouard, the two right next to each other up front. Like he's as advanced as the number nine. Um, he's got always stays fit. He's rarely injured. 
Um, and I think under Roy Hodgson, again, we'll see a little bit more from Palace than perhaps what we saw under Roy in his first tenure at the club. Like last season, he was actually letting his teams play with a bit more expression and freedom. And in his old age, I think he's gone, you know, have a, have a go, <laughs> make the most out of our creative players. So I don't know. I can't see him in my team in the next couple of weeks, but maybe in the next four or five weeks or on a wild card, he's someone that will be in. But I'm not beelining towards him just yet, no. But I'm, I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah, I really hope that a time does come where I can actually own him because I have not owned him at all since he started getting really, really good, uh, yeah. basically, with Zaha's injury. And, and I felt like I was very much at the forefront of the Eze movement. Like, I would do a lot of articles, I'd do a lot of videos, and I'd be like, Eze, 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 and then look at my team and be like, yeah, I ain't got room for him. And yeah. then I would just feel like a fraud every time I bigged him up. And it's also nice for Roy Hodgson as well. I, I agree with you completely. I think what he's... Um, it, it's almost like he's come back and there's less pressure in many ways. And so that that's allowed him to sort of mellow in, in some respects. He's, you, you know, he kind of, he has like a grandfather feel to him, like an uh, like an uncle feel to him. Maybe the one that you remember as a kid was always the strict one. But then as he's got older, he just, you know, his, his heart's been softened perhaps maybe by some little grandchildren or, you know, maybe like a, the, the family's got a new puppy and all of a sudden he's, he's really sweet and soft. For the most part, that seems to be allowing him to this team to play with the freedom of expression. But as we've already alluded to, he's still got some fight. Do not mess with this man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really pleased for him as well. And I always just find it so interesting and really, I just find Palace and, and Hodgson such an enigma again because you look at him and you just think that he wouldn't be able to fit in with a sort of like a group of really young, fresh lads with a lot of skill, a lot of talent. Um, you know, and you could almost expect that group of players to look at someone as old as him and be very ageist about it. Like, what's he going to teach us but they but they gel together it's like opposites attract in many ways um and i just i just love the what's happening at palace i'm just really really pleased for what's going on there for just the players there that i think that there was a time when they weren't getting the best from themselves um and then also hodgson as well has had some difficult times in his career and it's all sort of dovetailed to work quite nicely so i just i just hope that i can have a a palace attacker at some point because there's just so much talent in that team yeah, I think I'm with you there. There is, even without Zaha, they've still got it. They've still, and Ayu's playing well. Edward, if he can keep scoring goals, then yeah, um, Eze ties them all together, but definitely a team will want to cover. Oh, good. Well, I've, David, I've been following the chat and guys in the chat, thank you so much for all your comments, like really engaged chat this Sunday evening. So if you are new around here, make sure you subscribe. And obviously, if you like this stream, show us you like this idea of a Sunday night stream where it's pretty chilled, pretty relaxed. We go through some of the fixtures, it's some of the, the nice stuff to look at. Let us know in the comments or in the chat if it's something you would like to see continue. The plan is that we'll be doing this live every Sunday night at seven. And as David mentions, uh, Ali Hangarov will be joining uh, too. Uh, obviously, he won FPL last year. Uh, no better man to, to get mm-hmm. our eye test reports from over the weekend just gone. So, yeah, we'll try and keep him to like 50 minutes. So, We'll probably be wrapping up, I'm guessing, David, but lovely to chat and I I hope we're on to a winner with this Sunday night stream. Yeah, it should be good fun. I think, um, you know, just having somebody else just to bounce off compared to what I was doing with the stream last season is is great. (laughs) And, you know, just being able to throw to someone else and and get some of their ideas as well. But also, let's not forget that, of course, a lot of this information has come from the Fantasy Football Scout members area as well. And uh, uh, managers like myself and Johnny, who use it quite a lot um, on most Sunday evenings or Saturday evenings or whenever the games have been played, we're straight in there to have a look at some some things there's so 
much information that you can just get at the drop of a hat. The second the full-time whistle uh, goes, all of that information just drops in from Opta. And there's just, you know, XG shot maps, the average position maps, you know, some of the things like I was able to go and just very, very quickly discover that Callum Wilson is actually ahead of everybody for shots on time. You know, all I had to do was just sit here and just like sort my table by that that one stat and, and there it is. So, you know, if you haven't already yeah. sorted that out, uh, now, of course, is, is the best time to sort it as well because, you know, you're going to save a bit of money at the start of the season. So don't forget uh, to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday mornings for me, I'm like, I watch Match of the Day um, and then I, off the back of watching Match of the Day, go in the members area to look at the numbers because I'm like, okay, I want to see if what I've just seen correlates to the numbers or what I might have missed from just the highlights. And obviously through the numbers, you don't miss anything. So it's a, it's a, it's part of my routine and I can't believe what exceptional value it is like the scout members area it's the it's the price of a couple of coffees a month and it's like oh okay a, a wealth of info um so yeah money well spent when i compare that to some other things you can spend your money in in sort of the fpl circles whether it's you're following an individual's patron or whatever or supporting them on youtube i'm like from scout you get a, a, a crazy amount of value all year round mm. the way i see it is basically um I give a lot of this information out on some videos and not everybody necessarily likes me specifically, right? Which I totally don't blame you for, right? If you have membership, you can go and find out the answers to these questions without having to listen to me, <laughs> you know? So it's like, <laughs> and you, it helps you make your own decisions yeah. is kind of what I'm getting. I'm kind of just sort of being facetious there. You know, it helps you make your own decisions. Yeah. Go and look at what you felt like you took from a game confirm or deny it using some numbers uh maybe if there's some there's some disparity between what you felt and what you see in the numbers you can have a deeper look and then it just it, as you, it just helps you make your own decisions which i think is always best because then you sort of can own your decisions a little bit more i mean back in the the the, the really long time ago when i was playing fpl and i perhaps maybe took other people's advice too literally we're talking like six seven eight years ago i would feel no. more frustrated if i followed someone else's advice blindly and it went wrong then if i made my own decision and it went wrong because at the very least i can only be angry at one person <laughs> you know so it's like that's what yeah. the members area helps i think people do is just take ownership and autonomy of your decisions based on just cold hard facts so i think it's very useful totally agree i think i'm with you there and i was in a similar position myself so yeah i like to back it up with info that i find myself and then still you know your favorite content creator still get their opinion but off the back of you double checking <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah corroboration uh, is absolutely key well uh, as we said we're tr trying to keep these to uh, just under an hour around 50 minutes and we're, we're largely in that window now so we'll probably uh, um, say goodbye to you guys but don't forget of course that we've got loads coming up in the next week we've got another episode of burning questions on Monday lunchtime we've got the next episode of the Scoutcast on Monday evening there'll be another episode of General's Orders on Tuesday uh, we'll have another Deadline Dilemmas on Thursday Team News on Friday it's like a Craig David song we've got something for every day of the week we'll have Karim next Saturday uh, and Gianni and hopefully all things uh, going well we'll have Ali as well on Sunday as well so all sorts of things for people to stay tuned uh, for uh, but with that it's uh, goodbye from me yeah and goodbye from me thank you guys <laughs>